right, good folks. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I appreciate you so much. I've known each of you from various parts of life. Um, there's no secret to everything that we've been paying attention into social media in this world today. And that being said, you know, talking to my sister that's on the call, Jessica Kern, and, you know, just following God's will, uh, we decided that it would be a great idea to just bring in together various individuals, coaches, various leaders, various servant leaders to just come on for an hour of healing, empowerment, um, you know, in whatever way God has led us. And so for those that are viewing, I just thank you for being here. For those on the panel, I thank you for being here. Um, we have so many different people here today, leaders, encouragers, and we're gonna go ahead and get started. Um, so that being said, I just wanna introduce you to those that we're gonna have today on this panel. First, we have Ms. Jessica Kern, uh, the founder and CEO of the Jessica Kern Foundation. You know, personally, just has been an amazing mentor and sister to me. Um, Co uh, coach Curran, it's in me. It's in me, Coach. You're going to always be a coach for me. Um, but, you know, you would think we've known each other for years, and you reached out to me, and you specifically said, you know, Chelsea, something we need to be, there's things that need to be said. There's, there, this needs to happen. And I'm glad that you did, because once I reached out to you and we got that ball running, you know, we've been able to put together an amazing platform and panel here today that's going to lead us. So, you know, Coach Curran, if you don't mind, I want to start with you. I want to just, you know, if you can introduce yourself and just have a moment to just share. Uh, like I said, this is an hour of healing and prayer and empowerment and unity um, and let God have his way. So Coach Kern. Hey, well, first and foremost, thank you for everybody um, that is on here. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we are hitting the three plus month mark um, yeah. in, in doing this, which is absolutely in, insane. You guys know how it works with preseason and offseason. Everybody goes hard in the offseason and promoting themselves. And then once it gets going, people tend to fall off. But what we wanted to talk about is starting first and foremost with God's grace and how much he has continued to deliver us in times that a lot of us, and I'm going to raise my hand and say that uh, wasn't worthy to be delivered. But we are now in a different space. We're in a different space in our world, in our lives, in our homes. And with that comes a lot of fear. With that comes a lot of misunderstanding. And to be very candid, a lot of anger. And so, as most of you know, I was formerly the head women's basketball coach at Tennessee State University and have transitioned on now to simply pouring into basically servant leadership. Uh, the Jessica Kern Foundation has been around for quite a while. But because I always have my coach's hat on, I wasn't necessarily able to sort of serve two gods. And so what I want to give is a different perspective of my walk and where I am right now. Right now, you see just a tremendous amount of, of Black Lives Matter initiatives, which I fully support. Let me be public in saying that I do. But a lot of you do not know that I come from a biracial background and my father is white. My mother is Black. So let me take it back a bit. When I was a young girl, I received racism tough from both sides. It's never black enough for the black community, but I didn't wholeheartedly fit in in the white community. I have seen my father be pulled over. I have seen him be questioned about having a black child in the backseat of his car by police that both look like me and don't and look like him and don't. I have, my dad, I have seen him be spit on um, by his own people 
based on having a black wife and a black child. I have also on the flip side been discriminated against amongst my own people. Oh, the way I look, the way I talk. I have been pulled over with my son in the backseat of the car and be fearful for my life. I've had to teach a three-year-old how to turn on a cell phone and record. These are all aspects since I didn't even get asked to be born, everybody that's on this call. But I've been fighting this fight of misunderstanding and not understanding for 40 years. And so when I watched and I made sure socially that I put out, my uncle was a part of the Black Panther Party. He's a part of the NAACP and he has a white wife, okay? My dad stood on the front lines for civil rights movements in the city of Milwaukee. He crossed the line in the union for teachers when things were not right, teaching at an all black school. He was fired, rehired and fired again at an all black school because they didn't feel like a white man could give young black men what they needed to be productive in this world. But hindsight, I got into coaching because for me, coaching was my own movement. Coaching was a way for me to not only give what God gave me, which is the gift of speech, to use his word to empower and move other people, but not only people, but this world. There's nothing that I'm ever gonna put out that goes beyond the facets of family, faith, and positivity. But I will say that my heart is torn. I had to go to Milwaukee, get my dad, and we flew back and we're now here in Alabama. I needed him with me through this journey. While in Milwaukee, I was able to speak to Milwaukee PD. I was able to speak to local aldermen that I went to school with. And it starts at the local level. And I know I'm watching CNN like the rest of you. Some days are better than others. However, I do know that my faith has never wavered. I do know that love never fails. I do know no matter if you're a coach, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. You have an obligation to leave this world in a better place than what I lived, what my son is living, and what he sh his children should be living. My foundation has always been my faith. And so when I reached out to Chelsea and I said, you know what? I don't want to do a political forum. I don't want coaches to be afraid their coaching title is on the line. I don't want them to be afraid that you know, someone that doesn't look like me can, can say something and it might be offensive and you don't mean to, but you know what? You were never really taught how to say and what to say. I wanted this to be a fellowship with people of all creeds, colors, and races to come to a point of understanding that if we don't know anything else, the God we serve has our steps ordered and we are going to end up where we need to be to be pillars in every one of our communities to change somebody's life that then can change someone else's life. So. I just wanted to start with that platform. I'm always open for questions and answers, but I, I will be honest in telling you guys, my heart has been torn. It's been torn a lot over the last couple of weeks. And the first step for that, and I told Chelsea, I couldn't have this raw conversation as Coach Kern. I needed to have it as Jessica. Because I didn't need anybody else that fell underneath my lane, my name, feeling the, you know, the ramifications for some of the things that I might say. I need everyone on this call to know that we have allies. We have a lot of allies who live in this world and just want right. And I was raised that the right way is always the right way. Equality is a must for every single person if you have air in your lungs. But unfortunately, everybody in this world wasn't. So the route I've chosen to take is love never fails. 
and use my faith as my foundation in times of turmoil. So Chels, for you, you know this, we've prayed together, we've cried together, we've laughed together. You have had the ability and you are truly anointed to just, people feel, I don't care what anyone says, just like when you're coaching, people know from first instinct when someone is genuine. And every single person on here has been a part of an organic, transparent conversation that led us to this. So I pray forward, moving forward, that each and every one of you get something out of this, but we're better when we get off this call and we're better than the world that we're living in right now. Just, that's amazing and powerful. And, you know, I appreciate you so much. You've always told me from jump um, that you stand on a foundation of love and it's not something that you just said, it's everything that's in your walk. So I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for those words because it, it was definitely needed in such a time as this. Um, next up, my spirit is leading me to Mr. Greg Washington. Uh, I've known uh, Greg for some time through his family. Um, and again, talk about how God aligns paths to cross. And you know, Greg is here in Tallahassee uh, with us, a law enforcement officer and also a minister. And when I reached out, he was ever so willing to just give us some words. And he said, you know, Chelsea, I'm going to let God lead me in the way that he would have me to go. So, uh, Greg, you're on the clock. You got yourself muted, brother. There we go. All right. To all, good afternoon to Coach Kern. I just thank you for uh, your words, inspiring words. Um, truly heartfelt. And Chelsea, thank you just for bringing this all together. Um, as Chelsea said, I, I'm, a, I'm a lieutenant with Florida State University Police Department. I've uh, been there about 16 years. And obviously, these last couple of days have been um, extremely tough uh, professionally and personally um, during those conversations with student athletes and several meetings with uh, officers. It's just, um, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough, but we all have a job to do. And I want to thank you all uh, first and foremost for, for what you do. You guys are d developers. You um, uplift and, 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 and build people up regardless of race, color, and creed. That's part of what you do. And the text, as I was uh, going through my daily uh, Bible study, I came across Galatians um, 3, which is there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave, nor there is male or female, for we are all one in Christ. And then I came across the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with, but the lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test by asking him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, before I go any further, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm trying to do my best to inherit eternal life. And I hope that is a goal for you um, as believers, as uh, faith walkers, that's a goal of mine, first and foremost. And he answered and he said, love your God with all thy heart, thy soul, your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, the lawyer asked the question, who is the neighbor? And Jesus spoke to him about a parable where he found a uh, man who had been beaten. He had been uh, and not only this, this wasn't just a man, but this was a 
man there in Jericho, the priest went by, the Samaritan went by, and uh, the, the, the parable to this story is understanding that the Samaritan was not supposed to help the Jew. Now, understanding that we are all called by God and we have a job to do. And Jesus told that man, you go and you do likewise, just like uh, he showed mercy upon that man. You go and do likewise. And we all have to do likewise of, of loving our fellow man. Yes, it is tough. People are riding and people are upset and I'm upset and I'm angry and I am mad. But we all have to, one, know and understand that the light that shines within us is what these kids are looking at, first and foremost. Our family, our kids, our children, that is what they are looking at. And as leaders, as servant leaders, we have to be able to stand and, and understanding that we all go through. But right here and right now, we are in a time to lead. I believe that uh, everyone on this call, there are some leaders, uh, regardless of what you say, there may be some that say, well, I'm not a leader. I'm you know, kind of in my own thing. You have to get out of your box. This is a time right now for leaders to lead. And God is calling out for those two who are going to be bold, step out, and stand on his word. for he Because he said, like I told you in the, in the very beginning, he asked, what can I do to inherit eternal life? That's my goal. That should be all of our goals to try to make it in. And so just showing mercy upon our fellow man, knowing that, like I said, every day when I put on that uniform and I come home and take it off, I, I am a black man in America. And are there shortcomings? Absolutely. Are there things that need to be addressed? Absolutely. But I want to be a part of that change. And that's my message to, that's been my message to a lot of these uh, student athletes. You know, I was on a call yesterday with the, 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 the mayor and the, the Tallahassee police chief, uh, along with our president, with our student body. I want to be a part of that change, spark the change. You know, don't be a part of the, the problem, but be a part of the solution. And so in the sake of time, I normally have, I think what Chelsea, I'm, I'm about out of time, but just like that parable says, and it's in Luke 10, for those, if you want to go back and read it, Luke 10, but go and do likewise, just, just like the Samaritan found that man who had been beaten, chastised and bruised, go and do likewise and help him and, and God will bless us. That's my message today. And obviously I call for just unity. And, uh, you know, if, if there's something for those of you who are, who are in this community who want to do something, let's do it. I'm all for it. It's just my call is unity to all races, colors, and creeds, we can only truly stand together. Thanks, Coach. No, thank you. That was powerful. And the last thing you said, and I took it down, was spark the change. And, you know, so often we have so many positive vibes and things that we say, but, you know, I, I'm a, a testament to the fact that you walk what you talk. And I appreciate that. And we can say how angered we are. We can say our feelings, but what are we doing to spark the change? So I appreciate you for that so much, big time. Um, on the clock, next we have uh, Coach Willie Simmons, you know, my brother, my big brother, uh, family from Gadsden County, but the head uh, football coach at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. And he's been on and attached in this whole process leading up to three months as 
um, Jessica said, and I'm just so glad to have you on this call. Um, so you're on the clock. All right, just last time somebody told me I was on the clock, it was another coach, uh, my first year at Prairie View. And uh, it was our first game, and that didn't end so well for him. So, <laughs> um, but no, just thank you so much, Tails. Um, obviously, you know, to, to call you a sister would be an understatement. Um, you know, just, just the bond that we've been able to just share over the, the last few months. Can y'all hear something beeping in my, in my computer? Uh, I, I want to make sure that's not, y'all can't hear it. I can hear it on my computer. Y'all can't hear anything? That's, okay, good. You're good. Okay, so um, again, but, but you know, just the amount of respect that I have for you and just being spirit-led, uh, putting this together. Um, obviously, I was the first presenter this three months ago, you know, like, like Jessica said, I think over three months ago. And for us to still be going strong today just shows how many the spirit-filled people we have in this profession, in our communities, and it's just been so powerful. And um, you know, my sister Jessica, just thank you for you know being led by the spirit to put this together. And, and I think it's definitely something that's needed, uh, particularly in today's time and today's climate. Again, you you'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to not know what's going on um, in our society. And you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. I don't think this is by chance. I don't think it's by circumstance. I think this it's just ordained by God that we as a country are going through this time um, right now, you know, because the one thing it is forcing us to do that we've never done or haven't done in a long time is have some real open conversations um, across races, across genders, across socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, people of differences have been coming together. And, and I applaud that. I applaud guys such, you know, such as my brother Doug, you know, who who you'll hear from later. And, you know, everyone knows me. I've been pretty vocal about, about things since they happened a couple of weeks ago. And I, I don't, you know, pull any punches with that. I try to do so in a way that's respectful and, and still uh, representative of Florida A&M because I do represent this great institution, you know, but, but Doug and I had a, had a, a conversation over social media about um, one of the things that I posted and, 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 and it, 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 it's something that has to happen, you know? And, and one thing, I, I actually had a call last night. Um, many of you might've saw me post it. I had a call with, with all the high school head coaches here in the Big Ben area um, to just talk about how we can use our platform as head coaches to, to initiate change. Because just like many of you, we're, we're leaders in our, in our schools, in our communities, and, and many people listen to our voices. They look to us when times are bad. They look to us when, you know, they need answers, not just, when we, we called a, a pass on third and one that didn't work, or you know we didn't call a timeout um, to, 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 to run the inbound play to win the game, they want to hear from us on social issues as well. And, and so I think we all have a platform as servant leaders to bring people together, not so much as try to impose your, 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 your viewpoints on someone to make them share what you share or feel what you feel. Um, because uh, you know, our sister, um, you know, Coach, Coach, Coach Aaron Kendra, who will be on later, you know, she talks about that, you know. You, you, you can only feel what you feel. You know, I can't project my feelings onto you. And that's something that I think we all have to understand, you know. And, and I truly believe the good Lord gave us one mouth and two ears for a reason. You know, now is the time to listen. And, and we all are on this call because we've been called to be, to talk and to present. But I think it's important that we listen, that we listen to our, <clears throat> to our fellow man, that we listen to our brethren, and that we hear each other on both sides of it. You know, that call last night was filled with white coaches, black coaches, 
And we all have some powerful testimonies. You know, uh, one of the coaches was a military vet. And he shared his experiences in the military and how when he thought he was about to lose his life, that the guy that came to save him was a black guy. And at that moment, he didn't care. You know, he didn't care what color that guy was. That It was one of his brothers that came to rescue him and, and take him home to his family. And, and, and in sports, we get that. You know, I think that's the one unique thing about sports. For the most part, we as coaches get that, you know, because we, we have guys from different backgrounds and, and, and ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses coming together for one common cause. You know, and I'll just give a, a quick story and, and, and I'll, you know, turn it over because that's what the spirit is kind of leading me to do. You know, when I got to college, um, I grew up in Quincy, Florida, which if, if people don't know, out of 67 counties in the state of Florida, Gaston County is the only county that's predominantly African-American, the only one. And so I could count on one hand the number of white kids I went to school with. In Gaston County, the black kids go to public school, the white kids go to private school. And that's the way it's always been for us. You know, we still have that typical railroad track mentality where one street or one railroad track separates the white side of town from the black side of town. And so I, I grew up in a very, very segregated community. So much so that when I was coming up, we played little league football, basketball, and baseball. We literally called it in 1990s, the white league and the black league. You either played in the white league or you played in the black league for all three sports. It was, we didn't have one conjoined recreation department and, and Quincy's only a couple thousand people. It's not a, it's not a huge town. And so when I got to college, that was my first experience with diversity. I was number seven and Justin Watts was number six. Justin Watts was a white guy from Aiken, South Carolina. I was a black guy from Quincy, Florida. Grew up totally different. His dad was a coach. My dad was a mechanic, you know, but after being with each other every day, we realized that we had a lot more in common than we thought. And now to this day, Justin Watts is one of my best friends. And, and, and so, you know, we, 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 we overcame that barrier of differences. And that's what I think that we as a country have to do. America is great for a lot of reasons. I think we do a lot of things better than everyone. And we can go down the list of things that we do better than any other country. The one thing we do worse than any other country, I believe, is build relationships. I think as a nation, we are terrible at building relationships because we live in our boxes, whether it be our individual boxes, our racial boxes, our community boxes, our gender boxes, and we don't want to go over to the other side. We don't want to hear what the other side has to say. And as long as we're in that mentality, as a country, we won't grow. I know plenty of white guys and women. I know some great ones. The majority, the vast majority I know are great people, amazing people. But I know some that I would say not so great. I know plenty of black people. The vast majority of people that I would give my last to, but there are a handful that I try to avoid. I know a lot of police officers. Every, every week I have to travel with police officers to games. They have to walk me on and off the field. Great men, phenomenal men. There are a couple that are bad. So in every situation, they're good and bad people. You know, but one thing that we can't do is, you know, continue to stereotype continue to, to put people in boxes simply because we don't know them. You know, uh, Kez McCorby, who uh, many of us know, um, was on the call last night as the only non-head coach on the call, and he said something very powerful. And, and I'm not sure if it was a, a biblical verse or not. Um, I tried to ask him, but, you know, he, he put on his heart to say, to know me is to love me. You know, to know me is to love me. And, and, and I think that's what we have to do. We have to get to know one another. You know, we have to do the same thing as a society that, Athletes have been doing for forever because that's what we do in athletics. When we come to that locker room, 
and I hate the phrase I don't see color because again I think that I don't know what that means I mean I do see color I see right now that Doug is a different skin color than I am but I see past the color I see the color but I see past the color because I look on the inside of Doug I see who he is as a person my co my high school head coach was Andy Gay I saw who he was I see who he was as a person who he is as a person Tommy Bowden my head coach in college you know all the different guys that didn't look like me or didn't grow up like me I see past their color. So I do see their color, but I can see past it. And in athletics, we've been forced to do that. And that's what gives us success. So as a society, I just pray that we can do that as a society, that we can put, a, put aside our differences. But to me, the only way to do that is to truly get to know each other. And so I would say cross the railroad track. You know, don't be afraid to go across the railroad track. If you grew up in an all-white community and there are blacks across the street, don't be afraid to go interact with them. If you grew up in a black community, and you haven't been to the white community, don't be afraid to go over and make friends and talk to them. And you'll realize that you have a lot more in common than you have in differences. And that's just the reality. And so, you know, I just thank you so much, Chelsea. And I know I probably went over my time, but I just thank you so much for who you are, what you represent and what you continue to do. Um, everyone on this call, I love you guys. Um, and if I, if I ever do anything in my end to help anyone, I'm here for you. But God bless you, Chelsea. God bless everyone. And let's, let's, let's be the country that we can be. And that's Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, who gives us the charge, who leads the way. And if we lean on him and his principles, um, I think we'll be just fine. I appreciate you so much, uh, Coach. I mean, everything that you said and everything you always say, one of the things I put down for you is, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, cross the railroad track. And, and I feel that that is, in every way of life, you know, some of the, the best relationships I've had. And you're right, you do see color because you're paying attention to it. We're not blind, we can see it, but we see past it. And when I can see past color, that's how I get to befriend everyone in this call. That's how I learn and I grow. That's how I meet new people. And because you mentioned um, this name so many times, I know that he's next on the clock, uh, Mr. Doug Stevens. I've known him for a while. And just like the many people that are on this call, he not only talks the talk, but he walks the walk. I've known him in a sports capacity. I've known him in, you know, the, the faith capacity. He's been on the call weeks back, and I'm just so thankful to have you here again just to give us some nuggets and, and, and lead us in the way that God has you today. So thank you so much for being on. You're on the clock. Amen. Thank you, and thank you, coaches. And, man, you start off with Coach Kern and doing that, and then uh, Greg and then Coach Simmons, uh, just all phenomenal. We could have stopped at any one of them and been like – you know, mic drop, it's over, man. That's great stuff, um, especially where Coach went at the, at the end there with um, crossing the railroad tracks. I think that's a very actionable step that we, we all can and should take. But Psalm 133.1 says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. I just want to, you know, kind of focus on that for just a second and just think about what it is to be unified. Now, I, I'm married. I've been married for in August. It'll be 29 years. And um, I can tell you that my wife and I have differences, but we're unified. And yet we can still have differences. Like if I like blue and she likes red, I don't need to get her to like blue like I do for her to be unified with me. I just need her to understand that that's where I'm at. And that's where she's at. And I respect where she's at. Um, we're, we're living in a time right now where everybody's really sensitive about everything for a good reason. 
Uh, I grew up in the DC area and, and I just think about all the different relationships that I had before I came down here and just even racially. You know, I didn't know uh, some of the racial tensions maybe that were across our country. I think maybe I was in a bubble there in the DC area. Uh, both both my black friends and my white friends, I think we all felt like we were in a bubble because when, once we got out of there, that's when we started to understand it. I mean, I I think I was 22 years old when I heard the N-word used for in a real derogatory way for the first time. And I was in a church and it was, it was in a leadership meeting in the church and I was just not okay with that and had to call him out onto the carpet about that. And, you know, that, that made an impact for me on a, as a, as a 22 year old. And, and it happened down here in Tallahassee, you know, and I, I'd never, you know, experienced stuff like that. I didn't know that, you know, schools were white and black, like coach was talking about just a second ago until I, you know, I'm teaching at East Gadsden and, you know, 90% are African-American. I didn't even notice like, I go in, I didn't, that wasn't the thing that I noticed. And yet people were asking me, so what's it like teaching and coaching at East Gaston? And there was almost like this like soft undertone about that. I said, it's the best experience that I've ever had teaching and coaching. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with coach, you see color, but, but uh, if you really want to be unified, you understand how God's principles are and you unify with agape love. You don't unify with your love because your love can't reach across to where people are at. Agape love requires you to reach into where you're frustrated with people. You might be angry with people, but you can love them anyways. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commends his love toward us in that while we were his enemy, <laughs> Christ died for us. Not when like we were good with him, but when we were his enemy. And so therefore, as Christ did, so also we ought to do. And so, you know, there's, there's people that are across the line. So, so what do you do? I absolutely agree with coach. And, and he said, crossing the railroad tracks, I, I had in my notes here, add to your peoples. Like if you don't have somebody in your social media that thinks differently than you on some of this, ask yourself the question, why? Why do you not? You should have people from all different types of media. Look at your social media list. Look at the people that you hang around with. There, there, there should be a variety of people. Why? Because as God's people, we're, we're bringing, you know, we're supposed to pray God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And I got to tell you, there's not going to be a white section in heaven and a black section in heaven and a Hispanic section in heaven, an Asian section in heaven. I mean, we're all going to be together. That's why he said, how good and pleasant is it that we dwell in unity? And then lastly, I just wanted to, you know, just talk about that. What, what does that look like? Yes, you can be upset, man. There's, there's so many things to be upset and to be actionable about. But the point is to be solution-oriented, not to be stewing in your anger. That never does anybody any good. If I'm just mad at my wife because she thinks differently than me, that's not going to further the relationship at all. Um, you know, the Bible talks about uh, bitterness. And in Hebrews 12, 15, it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You don't want that bitter root to, to take hold and take root in your life and start bringing up negative fruit. And uh, I think all of us need to check ourselves. We need to check ourselves because the amount of intake right now that we can be taking in negative stuff is it's off the chain that we could all do that right now. And so just remember at the heart of all of this is God's sovereignty. God is good. We're not 
All our righteousness is a filthy rags. The best that we can muster up, muster up is not good enough. So we have to rely on God and what he's doing in our lives. So my challenge to everybody is here, just check where you're at, man. Check your heart. Man, if, you, if you're feeling like really just tense and like you need to talk to somebody, please do. Please make sure you do because it's just a, it's, this is a difficult time. But also I see, and the last thing that I'll say, Chelsea, is the last thing that I see is this is a time of great opportunity. I've never seen the chains move uh, like I'm seeing them move now in my, in my lifetime. And um, did it cause much, uh, was there a lot of conflict to get it here? Absolutely. But, you know, conflict's not always a bad thing. Conflict, especially relationally, conflict can actually get you to look at what's going on and to take steps in order to get past where your conflict is. And that's where we as Christians use agape love. So, Chelsea, thank you for this. Thank you for everything that you do. And, wow, uh, you guys uh, have had some awesome stuff already. So thank you for letting me be a part no, we appreciate you so much. I mean, you always speak it and tell it plain. Uh, since I was a young girl playing basketball to this moment, I've always had the utmost respect for you. And, you know, I know why, you know why now, you know, everyone that's listening does too. So thank you so much for that. Um, this next person that's on the clock, I've known him from, for quite some time. Uh, again, talking about these paths, Mr. Brandon Moore, pastor of Faith AME Zion Church in Atlanta, Georgia. We are uh, Livingstone College, classmates, family, all that good stuff. And, you know, when we talked about this and was putting this together, there was no way um, that I did not even reach out to this brother because he has always stood for what was right. He has always been positive and much like then and now, whenever I needed him, he's always been there. So, Mr. Brandon Moore, you are on the clock. Thank you to my Miss Livingstone. Uh, <laughs> she said whenever I needed her, she needed me, I was there. Um, many of you all will know uh, that Chelsea uh, is very refined, and yes, she is anointed, uh, Coach Kern. Uh, I saw her as an assassin uh, on the hardwood, um, double doubles, triple doubles, and then led a successful campaign for Ms. Livingstone, and I'll share this briefly and go with what I'm supposed to do. I remember during her campaign, she set up an extensive Krispy Kreme uh, sharing outside of our student union. And she has a command about her. I think that's partly why everybody's a part of this today because she has a commanding presence. And when she asks, she's asking, but she's very gently telling at the same time. Uh, the term we use around these parts is being voluntold. Well, she voluntold me to help set up uh, that table. Uh, I'm dressed because we had chapel that day, uh, but I went right to work. Uh, and in response to that, she hooked a brother up with two of the glaze uh, fresh out the box. So I'll always remember you for that. Uh, amongst other things, I love you much. Uh, it's, it's humbling to be in y'all's presence today. Uh, and I am grateful. I, I think that um, the immediate context from which I share is as uh, a sun-kissed brother uh, from west side of Baltimore, um, Charm City, Raven's Flock, yeah, unapologetically, uh, who made his way down to Salisbury, North Carolina, and now reside in ATL, uh, but also I'm sharing out of the faith community as, as a pastor, uh, and certainly pastoral ministry is distinct from preaching, 
in that preaching is momentary. Uh, pastoral ministry is in its best uh, to help people from this life to life eternal. Uh, and so part of my burden has been to help uh, not just to craft effective messages, but to help in the creation of solid people. With that, I want to share um, a personal favorite uh, illustration of mine from the scripture, and that is found in Mark 9. Uh, in Mark 9, there is a story of a father and a son. Uh, this son is bound. It is oppressed by an unclean spirit, a wicked spirit. The father sets out to go to where uh, Jesus is because his reputation has preceded him, amongst other things, as a healer. Um, when he arrives with his son who is in need of Jesus's attention, Jesus isn't there. A few of his disciples are there, um, and they respond as though they were in the position of Jesus to help the, the brother's son, but nothing happens. By the time Jesus returns to this scene that's already in progress, there's major uproar, there's protest, if you will, there's resistance. Um, and making his way into this circle that's formed around these disciples, Jesus, along with the three that went with him, asked what's happening. And the father steps forward and says, I came to look for you, but you weren't here. And so the people that you roll with, I thought could address the issue that I have with my son on his behalf, and they could not. And in the course of the conversation, Jesus asked a question, uh, which Jesus is asking of many people today, uh, what would you have me to do? What do you want? The man says, well, if you can do anything, I need you to heal my son and you just set him free. Jesus is a bit unnerved by that because he can do everything but fail. He says, well, I, it's not a matter of if I can, do you believe I can? One of the most profound verses of scripture to me is Mark 9, 24. It says, the man immediately said, I believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. What is powerful about that illustration that I want to share with everybody who's a part of this today is this. The man came in close proximity to the person who gave the sun the day shift and the moon the night shift. The same one who was there before was, was, and is, is, and fashioned every star, separated sand from water, all that. And still there was something in him that said, with all the previous attempts to help get deliverance for his child, there's a possibility that it may not be successful now. The reason I share this is because when he arrived, Jesus was physically absent, but Jesus was not absent. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And for those that may have heard about it, Peter, James, and John, his close posse, went with him. And it was on this mountain that Jesus was confirmed in a vision where everything became very bright and there was seen with Jesus in conversation Moses on one side who represents the law and Elijah who represents the prophets and Jesus for us uh, became in that moment the embodiment or the fulfillment of the law and the prophetic. That's significant because Jesus meets this man on the other side of that. If there's ever a time to be with Jesus to be connected with God, it is, unfortunate for some, in moments of conflict and great trial.
because what God has been able to do since the beginning is to create out of chaos. He heals the man's son and they leave. The disciples who were unable to help him in Jesus' answer, absence, they question him. And Jesus' response to them was, this kind can't come but by prayer and fasting. A bit to what I said about creation out of chaos. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, etc. You all have read that. I won't insult your intelligence with repeating it. But there's a part of that creation story that says darkness covered the face of the deep. That word darkness in Hebrew is chaos, which means darkness and chaos are related in the least and synonymous at best. And from that, God's first words are, let there be light. And it's not so much that God called light out of the darkness, but that light came forward because God is light amongst other things. My point is this, what helped that man in that illustration of the Mark 9 and what makes the creation story so po possible and powerful is exposure and proximity. In that moment, that man was honest enough to say, I believe you can do what people say you can. That's why I brought my son, because he has a need. And if you help his need, you'll help me. But there's a part of me that doesn't see it possible. That's where we are today. This thing has run its course three plus months and certain things we are seeing be played out all over again with respect to the social and civil unrest. In the creation story, you see the world covered in darkness and within the darkness, there is chaos. And what does God do? God does not give attention to what's in the darkness. God just brings light to the forefront. When you wake up early in the morning and the sun has not risen, it's hard for you to find a pair of matching socks unless they're already matched. So you have to turn the light on. You turn the light on so that you're able to navigate your sight and your placement and your movement. That is what we're called to do in this season. Whether you're a coach, whether you're an instructor, whether you're a parent, whether you're a friend, is to bring people who may be unable to bring themselves close enough to God and to God's ability and activity for them to experience firsthand what you already know and what you already know that in this season may be hard to you to recall. The best of us on our best days need God just as much, if not more, than if we were in our worst days. And so that's the thing I wanted to posit today. Not so much that um, everything that has not been shared is not already more than enough, but my two cents is that, that when you are entrusted with other people, when they look to you, when they confide in you, and you know within and of yourself you're unable to do what you like to do for them, it's not a time for you to become frustrated, and it's not a time for you to abandon their need or request. Truth of the matter is, it's a full-time job taking care of you keeping your mind together, keeping yourself level, keeping yourself sane. But when God, who knows all things, brings others into your care and trust, God does that because God trusts that you'll have sense enough to bring them into connection and proximity to expose them to the light you possess, to the light that informs your life, to the light that orders your steps, thereby creating out of chaos 
and getting the healing, the freedom that is needed. Because as quiet is kept, just like God knew way back during creation, God knew in Mark chapter 9 that that man was coming with his son. What shocks us, what grieves us, doesn't have the same exact effect as it does on God. And so I close by saying, trust God enough that whatever level of faith you possess, that if it's genuine, as you strive to keep the faith, faith has a way of keeping you when you find yourself beyond yourself and detached, even if in the slightest, from the connectivity and presence you have with God that may or may not feel evident. That's it. You say that's it, like you didn't just drop all the mics on here, my brother. I love it. We need God even on our best day. I'm going to tell you right now, I need him every day. Good and ugly. I'm trying to let you know. Let your light so shine so that men may see his good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And that's what you just did, my brother. So I thank you. I'm going to have to ship you and Miriam some Krispy Kreme donuts <laughs> and keep things consistent. But I thank you so much, my brother, because I, I just really don't see and now you all see why we couldn't have this hour of healing without you. So thank you. And uh, that being said, we're going to change the pace up a little bit. We have my brother Royce Lovett on here. No matter when I call him, y'all, he is always so open. No matter how high God elevates him, he stays the same. Uh, singer, songwriter, activist, lover, TED talker, father, husband. Royce Lovett, you're now on the clock, my brother. Thanks so much, uh, Chelsea. Thanks, everybody. Um, showing up. Um, I think that is something that a lot of us need to do more of. So thanks for showing up today. Thanks. Um, I don't I don't have too much to say. I want, I want to play a song that kind of paints a picture. Um, the song is called T-Shirt Man. But um, before, before I get into that, I think, you know, something that has definitely um, kept me and also kept my family um, in times of intense pressure and also in times when the pressure isn't there so much in, in times when we're not so mad when we're not so angry when um prejudice and racism is you know a day-to-day -day thing but it just you kind of become numb to it or you kind of um just go with the punches you know however that may make you feel you know um i want to express isaiah 58 um, I think one thing we have to do as fathers um, and as parents um, is to guard our children's hearts. Um, and as, as a Black father, I look back on my life and I love what my parents taught me, you know, just to go off the top of my head, you know, my mother taught me that I didn't have to go through certain things in order to understand certain things, that I could look at someone else touch the stove and realize that it's hot, that I don't actually have to go touch it. Um, one thing my mother always taught me too, um, my father, is to do your research before you speak, you know, understand what you're speaking about. Um, but there are some things that, you know, depending on how the generation came up under us, things that I wasn't taught because they weren't taught, that I'm learning now, that I want to make sure that my kids know. Um, things that um, they weren't aware of 
how I was feeling inside as I was going to school, you know, being one of the few black people in school, wondering why I can't wear long hair, wondering why I have to dress a certain way, wondering why my, my mom would, would uh, make sure that when I walked into a building and that my hood was off and, and different things like um, walking down a, a, a magazine aisle and realizing a lot, a lot of people in that magazine look like me, you know, or watching um, TV and then going back to school and realizing that I don't have the same channels that other people have. You know, there's so much that goes on um, to children, you know, where they're sponges, you know, all the way up. And so as my kids are, are in this age of social media where information is so easily accessible, videos and things are so easily accessible, um, guarding their hearts um, is I think a, a big issue. And when my kids see me leave to go, you know, speak or talk or go to a protest or go to a meeting, um, sometimes they don't understand. And so I read this to them and I was um, excited to see how they respond every time we read this together um, and excited to see how they responded when I said, hey guys, I think the whole family should show up to you know this protest today. And it was the first time going to let their voice be heard. And um, at first my oldest, he didn't really understand it, but it was, it just felt, it hit me really deeply to see their eyes, you know, when we read this. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but in Isaiah 58, um, if you guys wanna please go read the whole chapter. Uh, the beginning of it says, um, to cry aloud and spare not, let your voice be heard like a trumpet, declare the people, declare to my people the rebellion. And then it goes down to say, I do not know why you guys think that this is the fasting that I want. And he's talking about like uh, sackcloth and ashes and praying and, and all these things. It's like, look, you do all these spiritual awesome things, you know, but this is not the type of fasting that I desire. And then it goes down and it says the type of fasting that I desire in chapter in verse six says to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the coarse yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. And that is so powerful to me. Like that's the type of fasting that he wants. If I think that it is very, um, it's very parallel when, you know, we all believe that faith without works is dead. You know, all of us can say, I want to lose weight. All of us can say, I want to eat better. But until you get in that gym and until you feel yourself with the right information to learn how to eat better, then praying all day isn't going to bust a grape, as, as my dad would say. <laughs> um, and um, I think having that information and learning how to love, you know, that was said by Doug and Will, that he said to to uh to love to know me is to love me or to love me is to know me and i think we have to put that in action completely and i think the song kind of expresses that um for instance if you go get a plant if you don't know what that plant needs how much sun it needs how much water it needs if you don't understand that plant's needs then you cannot see that plant grow if we are continuing to parade and 
um, say whatever we want to say on our Facebook walls and Twitter walls and to our friends and we continue to parade and not actually understand what the community needs to grow, then you're not loving the community. You're just taking a picture for Instagram just for some clout. If you don't understand what your school education board needs to grow, then you're not putting that action in there. So I just want to challenge everyone to possibly go read Isaiah 58 um, and encourage yourself to understand that love is not weak and that truth does not harm. And we have to stand up for love. If we're going to love someone, love is not weak. I, I never saw Yeshua be weak. Um, and uh, encourage yourself in Isaiah 58 and, and to remember to, it's not just going to happen. You have to take that action. So this song talks about quite a few things. Um, I think this is a recording. So if you want to go back and listen to it a few times to just kind of hear um, uh, some of the messages in the, in the song, um, it talks about a narrative that a lot of us don't talk about. And I think that's the key to share our stories. So we'll understand what's going on. You know what I mean? But uh, Bill Withers uh, said on and lean on me, that if you don't swallow your pride and let me know what you got going on, there's no way that I can understand what's happening. So, um, can you hear me okay? I don't want to be too loud. It's like, okay. Listen up now, people. I want to tell you something about a man named Chris, his daughter, and a gun. The story may be heavy and hard for some to take. But if you feel like dancing, that's cause hope is on its way. Mm -hmm. The t-shirt man is making a killing. Mm -hmm. From all the killing. Bang, bang. The t-shirt man is making a killing. Mm -hmm. From all the killing. Yo, bang, bang. Listen. Money morning started off like any other, except this time Chris fought with his mother. She found a gun in his backpack that made her mad, and the reason why she was looking, I'll get back to dad. Now, Chris been out of school for a while now. He was a bright, kind of cool, not a bad child, but he never really had much of a jump shot. I never knew he sat by his dad at the bus stop, and his mom, she worked hard. Two jobs. She was taught to work the system when it got hard. She told the teachers he was dumb for a little more cash. Now he's stuck in a homeroom with no remedial class, so it's hard to say if he ever saw his potential only thing on his mind was money when the rent due so with a hard-working mom and fathering not a job the boys next door had taught chris how to rob see the t-shirt man is making a killing from all the killing bang bang the t-shirt man is making a killing from all the killing bang bang now let's get back to this backpack that wasn't really his. Y'all can't forget that Chris had a kid and mom, she was mad. She was hot when she saw this. She said, please paint the picture. Tell me how you draw this. Annoyed, he replied with a laugh. You know this or didn't you notice? We ain't get no notice and the lights been kept on and nobody hiring. She said, oh, you in a gang and think that's inspiring? He said, nah, mom, it's not even like that. And I only use this if I got to fight back. But something, you know what the gang's really about. They my homies, I'm not in it, but they really help out. Don't you know they're keeping all the racist cops out? And I'm sure we can agree the killing isn't cool, but uh, look at our food and look at our schools. So you gonna tell me this ain't what America wants us to do? 
t-shirt, man, it's making a killing. On a killing. Bang, bang. The t-shirt, man, is making a killing. After that conversation, everything slows down. He leaves in his frustration. Not knowing what's going down, 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 down. Then out of affiliation, the bullets rain down. Now he's on the ground wondering what he gonna do now. Can he stand up thinking he can pop a couple rounds and it's over? What a simple slaughter. He stands up checking himself for the bullets and then he realized they went into his daughter. Man. Help me understand, they picking up their cell phones now. And who they call? The T-shirt man. See the T-shirt man is making a killing. Mm-hmm. On a killing. Bang, bang. So normally I always stop right here and I explain that, uh, you know, the T-shirt man is simply the guy who makes the T-shirts. And the shirts that I'm talking about are all those shirts we see in our our school hallways, in our churches, on our neighborhood corners that say rest in peace and memory of, and there's so many of them. And normally it's a young, and normally it shouldn't have happened. And normally it was just some senseless violence and prejudice. And though what I say when I'm saying that is only one profiting from the senseless murders and killings is the one making a t-shirt. The t-shirt man is making a killer. But it's my favorite part, and I think that's why we all here right here. We ain't got to die no more. Love is what we're fighting for. I know that I'm worth more than a t-shirt, t-shirt. Yeah, we ain't got to die no more. Love is what we're fighting for. I know that I'm worth more than a t-shirt, t-shirt. No, we ain't got to die no more. Love is what we're fighting for. I know that I'm worth more than a t-shirt, t-shirt. You know, every time you do that song, I'm going to tell (laughs) y'all, every time, the first time I heard Royce do that song and he came out to speak with a group of my kids and watching the faces of everyone as they started to understand the lyrics you know kids love music these days and they hear a beat and that that's it and then you ask them do you really know what these lyrics are saying and this brother has numerous songs all have meaning they speak life and you know he has something else and i said i'm sorry royce i think the world needs to hear this one today and, and now you all know why so royce i thank you so much i mean you're like a part of my family now and i just thank you for always being so willing man god bless you um and everything that's coming to you because the world needs to hear everything that you have to put out so thank you so much thanks for having me i appreciate this going on absolutely um and continuing on and talking about past i met this young lady what a week ago um in in what we're doing in these calls and it was just crazy because out of nowhere she spoke up on some of the issues and dialogue that we were having and i just i was taking notes and then I followed and watched the things that she says and I reached out and I was like, there's no way that I, I, I cannot have you on this panel and this call today. Um, Ms. Kayla Tucker, thank you so much, journalist. Um, amazing young lady. I'm so glad to know you. Glad you're a part of the family now. Ms. Kayla Tucker, you are on the clock. 
Yeah, Chelsea, I think it wasn't even a week ago. I think it's a week ago tomorrow. And so it definitely, you all know here that's on this, but um, anyone watching this is completely spirit-led because why Chelsea asked me to talk, I honestly have no idea. Um, I think a lot of, in, well, in, in coaching and being around kids, you don't realize the impact you actually have. And that's not even just with kids. I think it's also with people. So just appreciate the opportunity to um, kind of share what's been on my heart and just a little bit about me as well. Um, I'm also biracial. My mother's black, my father's white. Um, but obviously you wouldn't think it, but I went to a, I mean, I, I grew up in a, you know, pretty normal diverse area here in Oklahoma city, but I went to an HBCU. I grew up around my predominantly black family. I, that is when I say my family, I speak of my cousins. Those are, those are all, they're black. I mean, that's, that's who I know. That's who I am. And so, um, it was always a thing of, I'm never black enough for the community because obviously my skin color, but I never really felt comfortable around fully white people, surprisingly. Like I'd be, I'd be more comfortable being the only white looking person than being the only mixed person in the room. It's just, it's kind of weird the way that my mindset has grown and, and my comfortability level. But I know when, when all of this first started, all the protests, everything, I was just like, I'm sure everyone, I was angry. I was sad. I was heartbroken. I was just outraged. I just didn't understand what was going on or, or why it had to go on. And so for about a week, it was just a lot of calling people out. Like I remember I, I text a few of my friends that are fully white and I'm like, Hey, why are you not saying anything? Like what, what's the problem? Do you, ha are you okay with what's going on? Um, I'm checking in on people I haven't spoken to in months saying, are you okay? Like, mentally emotionally are you okay just because even though I am biracial I know I don't have the same struggles and the same prejudice against me just off of my skin color so I, I was I felt all those emotions as well but I remember I had my I, I faced I just moved home not even two weeks so two and a half weeks ago from Panama City Florida actually and all of my younger cousins, like I haven't seen them since Christmas. So I'm hanging out with them. And I'm, I'm looking at my four-year-old cousin who is the most sweetest, kindest young kid. And I'm like, one day he's not going to be so cute to everyone. And it just, it just made me sad. But I remember being there praying with him just to have God just heal us. Because at this point, nothing is going to change until the entire church across the nation, just we all humble ourselves, fall on our knees and, and thank God to come and fix this. So um, I was praying one night and he just kind of spoke to me to shift my perspective. And I went from sharing resources, which is amazing, sharing, you know, petitions, how people can help go vote, all of that to sharing only what God wants us to do right now. And I think for a lot of us, even myself, it was my focus was taken off of the Lord and what he calls us to do. And the moment that I switched back to, I need to run after God more than I'm running after this social change is kind of when I, I got my hope back. I got my energy back. I was so heavy all the time that I was like, this, this can't, like, this is unhealthy at this point. I can't be this heavy all the time. So I think the moment that I switched that, I was able to continue to share resources, continue to push, continue to call people out for not being anti-racist for, and to have those tough conversations with people, both white and black of what's going on in this, 
in this time, but my biggest focus is, are we prepared for what God really wants us to do? And so I have been really big this week. Um, and I don't, I mean, some people follow me on social media. Some people on, I went on like a full tangent of this on Instagram, but are we prepared? Even like if God came back or if Jesus came back tomorrow, are we prepared? You know, our focus still has to be preparing for when we meet the perfect bridegroom. And so I was in Romans this week, but it, and it hit me really hard, but coming out of Luke, um, starting in 35, I think is really important for me to just share is, uh, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants who masters find them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have him recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if it comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known or at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house get broken into. You, may, you, must also, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at any hour when you do not expect him. So I think my, just with that, my biggest message and encouragement is to never allow what's going on in this world impact how we run after our Savior and run after our King. Because at the end of the day, this world isn't, isn't what we want. This world isn't our goal. This world isn't, isn't going to be how we end. You know, just like Doug was saying, when we get to heaven, there is no, there is no discrimination. There is no prejudice. There is no whites over here, blacks over here. We're all going to be together as one, but we have to make sure we get there. And so my, that's, that's been on my heart really all week is just making sure that we are still preparing ourselves to be God's people and showing God's word throughout this chaos, because he is only going to be the one that can offer that peace that we can um, grow and, and, and find healing out of no matter race, ethnicity, age, gender, whatever it is, he is still the one that unites us. And if we take our eyes off that mark, that's when we really will lose whatever battle we're facing. And that's, I'm done. Thank you, Kayla. It's so funny how all y'all keep ending like you didn't just say something, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, was, my pen couldn't move fast enough, but you're so right. We can't lose ourselves in trying to fight these battles. And one of the things based off what you said is we can't forget who we're chasing after. This world is not the goal. That was powerful. You know, and the biggest thing that I just say to that and what I've been saying into this situation and every situation is the battle is not ours. Now, yes, you're absolutely right. This is a, my grandma used to say it, and we used to sing it. This is a dressing room down here. We got to go to heaven from down here. And at the end of the day, we can't lose sight of what God is asking us to do in our anger. We have to continue. And I was talking to uh, Mr. Doug Stevens about this before everybody got on the call. We have to continue to do God's agenda. And what it looks like, in spite of what we feel like, God has given each of us an agenda. We can't veer away from that if we do our assignment. That's it. Everything and everybody is not our assignment. If we do our assignment, then everything will fall into place. So thank you so much, Kayla, for that. The world is not our goal. I loved it. Thank you so much. Um, next up, we got Miss Kendra Aaron. And I see Santana did not uh, <laughs> did not fulfill our prayer this morning. Uh, she was up right away. Like as soon as it started, she was up. So now she's here. Um, All good. You're on the clock, my friend. 
Awesome. You guys, I'm Coach Kendra Aaron. I am an assistant women's basketball coach at Central Arizona. I'm also a life coach. And really today, all I want to kind of talk to you about, well, a few different things. And you know, if you guys know me, you know I can talk a lot. So um, one of the things is that what Doug Stevens said was that while we were still his enemy, Christ died for us. And I really wanted to kind of touch on that because that's a really important thing. And then I think Coach Simmons was talking about relationships and building relationships. And one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that relationships are just our thoughts about other people. And it really is shown when, while we were still his enemy, Christ died for us. That's because his thought about us was completely different than our thoughts about him. And he had those thoughts and our relation, his relationship with us was completely different. And so that's something that going into the world and going into what we're in right now, if we have our thoughts under control and if we understand how we want to view other people, no matter what they're, no matter what they agree or what they um, believe or what they think is to be true or whatever it is, we have control of those thoughts and we have control of that relationship. So um, just kind of keep that in mind. The other thing is, is that everything starts with us. And I know we've talked about that before and people keep talking about it starts with us it starts with us but it truly does start with us and I think um, for those of you that know or have heard me speak before um, I believe wholeheartedly on everything begins with our thoughts and that's the basis of everything um, so it really does truly start with us and we have control of what our thoughts are a lot of times we think them unintentionally when we don't know that we have control of those but we have a the ability to think intentionally and to have those relationships, build those relationships, but beyond that to kind of do what we want to do. Um, all of our actions all come from that. So I don't really want to get too, too much into the relationships. I think a big thing that we really need to do, um, I think a lot of us are seeing that other people don't listen to us. And I think that's one thing that we need to do and make sure that we keep our ears open when we're building those relationships and we're listening to what other people are saying. Now that doesn't mean that you have to take it all in and believe what they say and do any of that, but just taking the time to stop and listen. Because I see just too many times that we're just so, so set on trying to convince the other person of what our beliefs are and we're do and they're doing the exact same thing and nobody's listening and there's going to be no building from there at all. Um, I think the biggest thing that I really, really wanted to talk to you guys about that I've struggled with in these last few weeks is that um, filling my feelings. And a lot of times we, we think that just crying and doing those kind of things are actually filling your feelings and, and not always is that completely true. Um, so I think as leaders, um, which all of us are, I think a lot of times we want to go ahead and move forward because we have people watching. And we have people that need us. And I think that has been my biggest struggle is in my mind, I'm thinking, but so many people need me. They need me to be out there and say things and do all of this. And I don't give a chance to fill my feelings. And that's really now in week two and week three, that's really kind of caught up to me because now all of a sudden, almost every other day, I'm sitting there just breaking down every hour and filling my feelings or attempting to fill my feelings because I never got a chance to. So what I want you guys to do is, I call it a thought download, but I want you guys to 
think about the situation that's going on and you can do a thought download just to empty your mind or you can do it about a certain specific like specific situation and so anything that's bothering you would right now i would do it on the situation on the racism and do a thought download and empty your mind on all of your thoughts about what's going on all maybe it's people maybe it's whatever don't um don't filter it at all this is something that you'll see and you'll see it only but then i want you to go back and be curious about it look at all of those and see what feeling they bring see what feeling they bring and for a second just let yourself sit in those feelings let yourself sit in those emotions figure out where that emotion is coming from if you had to go within your body and describe it shine a flashlight on it and describe that feeling sit with it until you can see okay is it moving is it not moving is it expanding what's happening okay it just feels like something tight in there and really take the time to feel those emotions so do a thought download, write down all of your thoughts on a situation, racism, and go back and be curious. And, and then you allow yourself to feel those emotions. And then after that, you can decide how you want to show up in the world. But you have to allow yourself to feel those feelings before you can even move forward and before you can help serve the people that you want to serve. And that's something that I'm in the process of now doing. Like I said, I tried to avoid it and I tried to avoid those feelings and yeah, some tears came out and all of that, but I tried to avoid it and move on and try to just keep going because people needed me. So I want you guys, I encourage you guys to do the same thing as kind of write down those thoughts and kind of see what feelings come with those thoughts and just allow them. Kendra, thank you so much. You know, th this is why if you wondered why I told you, you know, Brandon put me out, voluntold, why I voluntold you to be here because I think so often we have so many people and you have people that are saying, well, why isn't anybody speaking up? Why aren't you saying anything? You know, and I've had those conversations with close family members and the fact of the matter is some people just don't know what to say. They have not processed it yet, you know, and so many of you all have already said already that you really have to, you know, Mr. Doug Seaman said it himself, please see somebody, talk to somebody, because if you're keeping those feelings in, they're going to come out in some sort of way. So thank you so much, because I think so often we see just face value, but we forget that mental drives everything else. And you can't help anybody if you can't help yourself. So thank you so much for that, Kendra. That was powerful. So we're nearing towards the end. Um, my brother hopped on even in his travels. I met him. Kayla, you think that I met you um, last and I didn't. I met this brother, what, three days ago? <laughs> and we've been talking and, and guys, I truly believe that God ordains relationships. We got on a phone, which we both probably thought was going to be a five minute call. And we just kept talking and talking and talking. And I'm just so glad to have you. Um, you know, Mark Williams is on the line, everybody. Uh, he's the host of Mark's Masterclass. He has so many titles. Uh, I think I'd talk for five more minutes if I did it. But one of the biggest things that I picked up from him is, you know, he is a man after God's own heart. He speaks truth in what he says, and he's all about helping and picking up those that he meets along the way. So, Mark, you're on the clock. Oh, hold on. You got to unmute yourself. I'm unmuted. I'm okay. Now I'm on. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for inviting me. Um, when we talked the other day, I forgot. That was, this is my first time traveling like long distance since uh, I think March 22nd. Um, so I'm on a roll like 19 days out of the month. And so I, you know, was in Miami, which is like maybe an hour from my house. So that I didn't consider that travel, but I was on the plane today and I said, oh my God, I got to get in. Uh, but I was late and thank God I'm here. So thank you for um, accepting me on today. Um, I told you how I met you is that I was, somebody had a video of you 
crossing somebody up and doing a step back. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on here? And she's a, she's a teacher. What, what, who is this woman? And I uh, found out you were in the CIAA and I'm like, okay, so I love the CIAA. And then I looked up here and you talked about Coach Curran. I'm like, Coach Curran, what? Tennessee State? I said, I've never met Coach Curran, but she's my, she's one of my favorite people. Um, just so inspired by her. So dope. And I can't wait to come down to visit her, uh, her student athletes. We've been talking about it for two years now, but we text and talk all the time, but we, we never met. Uh, so now I get a chance to see her face to face. But then I looked up and saw Kayla Tucker. Kayla Tucker, you don't know this, Chelsea, but Kayla Tucker, that's my, that's my heart right there. Uh, Kayla Tucker, when she was a student athlete at Alabama State, my company, we did a leadership academy uh, for student athletes. And Kayla is one of my favorite um, athletes of all time. I've been working with student athletes for 19 years. And she's just an amazing young woman. And she didn't just grow into this ever since I met her. She um, is someone who is a woman of faith, uh, just a great teammate, uh, integrity uh, for days, and so talented. I'm so proud of her. Um, just crazy to see her now. She's like, she's grown now on TV and everything. So... Congratulations, Kayla. And then Kendra Aaron, I mean, she was the sister that just finished talking. I just got back on Facebook. I think um, I've been going for Facebook for six, six, five or six years. I just, Facebook is not something I like to be on. But now I said, well, I'll just reconnect and get on it again. And I met her um, the other day and I, I looked up today. I said, wait a minute, that's a sister that I just was talking to a minute ago and she's on here. So um, I think God has a way of putting great people together. Um, so I just want to say thank you everyone for um, letting me say a few words. I'm not going to be on here long, um, but I want to give props to everyone that spoke earlier. Uh, Doug, I heard a little bit. I heard, heard the ending of what you had to say. Brandon, man, I was just like, I'm like this. I mean, so I heard, I didn't, I heard in the Dugs in the beginning, all of Brandon. So Brandon, thank you for your words. Everyone that, that spoke has been great. Um, and then uh, Royce, man. Oh my God. Towards the end of the song, I, I, I listened to the lyrics, lyrics. I'm from Jersey, so we like lyrics, you know what I'm saying? So the end, and I was just bobbing my head the whole time. I'm like, yes, I'm, that's what I'm talking about, brother. I love that. So uh, anyway, I, um, how did I get to this space? So I grew up in New Jersey and, um, you know, mom and dad, very spiritual, very, very, they're married 54 years in August. And they made sure that we had a very strong spiritual base. And as Kayla knows, I was, I was not, I was a good student athlete, but I was not a serious student, even though my dad was a professor and taught African studies and things of that nature. I was not serious about school, but I always was serious about my faith. Um, and then when I when I wasn't, you know, praying and I wasn't, you know, you know, really paying attention to God, that's when things were not going well for me. And then I realized once I start praying and start being serious about my faith, then things will line up and, and it did and they have. And so um, I, I try to, I'm not perfect. I try to stay um, committed to, you know, being faithful to God and, 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 and having him guide me towards the things that I need to, to do to get things done. And a lot of times right now, we're, a lot of people are we're very doubtful. A lot of people are very, um, you know, sus suspicious about what's happening with COVID. Um, and then obviously the, the, the racial injustice, everyone's uncertain about what's happening. And I, I told Coach Johnson the other day, and I said this before COVID happened. I said, I think God is upset with us. And he's like, I can't fix it. Y'all going to have to fix it. So we're going to have to do a COVID. And if you do COVID, then you're going to have to figure out how to get along with people. You, a lot of us are judgmental. A lot of us disrespect each other. A lot of us have issues with people that are in prison, that are homeless. We've got to be better and, and kinder to each other. 
And then he said, oh, y'all want to go take over the Capitol in, in Michigan? Okay, well, I'm going to do something different. Now I'm going I'm to bring the racial component that's going to hit you in the head. And so now we have to address the racial. So all the things that, that is, has been wrong with our nation is now in, is, is full, is front and center. And, and it's, the funny thing about it is people think people don't think this has anything to do with spirituality or, or, or God or they don't think God's in it. I'm like, God's in it. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. And one of the things that um, and I because I, I again, I don't want to take up too many too much time. Well, one thing I'm a firm believer is, is that everybody has gifts. Um, and um, I'm going to put my thing back in. And I think that a lot of people are doubting themselves um, based on, you know, um, you know, what's happening with COVID, they'll say, well, you know, how are you coping with all this? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I lost my job, I'm laid off. And I just, I really think that this is a wonderful opportunity for all of us to look at the talents that we're blessed with and, and, and embrace it and, and not be afraid of it. Because I tell everyone when they're talking about whatever's happening in their life, I tell them to turn around and look behind themselves. And they turn around, look behind themselves, they turn around. And I said, what do you think, what's behind you? They said, well, I don't see anything. I said, well, all that stuff behind you is all the things that God got you through. So if God got you through that, he's going to get you through this. The good thing is now that we have, we have each more, more of each other now than we have ever had before because more people are connecting with each other. More people are doing Zoom meetings. More people are, are communicating with each other and speaking to, to each other in ways that they normally would not have spoken to each other to before. So I really think that we have, we're in a really great position to turn this around, not just, not just in our, our society, but for, it to, for, our, for our, own, our own personal selves. And then a lot of my white friends will say, you know, what should I do? You know, all this stuff is happening in the streets. I said, you know, we're not gonna solve this overnight. As long as you're present and you have empathy, that's the most important thing you can have. You can say, just walk by somebody and say, I love you brother, or I love you sister. And I don't mean black or white, but man, man male, female. Um, you, everybody is not a great speaker. Everyone is not a great writer. Everyone can contribute. As long as you have empathy and you have a level of faith, you're doing, you're doing, a, you're doing your part. And so there is no formula to how you end this and how this is going to work. The most important thing is that we have to have empathy and we have to listen and you have to have God in there. God has to be in here somewhere. If he's not, if it's not, then I don't think that you're going to, we're, we're going to reach our full potentials and it's for everybody. But first you look at yourself first, can't look at other people and say, well, that person's not doing this. That person's not giving money. That person's not doing You, you got to focus on yourself first. And then when you take care of yourself first, then you can spread the knowledge and the wealth to other people. And um, I just, again, uh, I don't think it's coincidence that I, I, I just happened to be on Twitter and happened to see Coach Johnson. Uh, I was just telling my, my, I'm at my frat brother's house and he, his son, Nicholas, is now an alpha as well. He's a, a star trike athlete. He runs with Carl Lewis and Coach Leroy Burrell down in Houston. And they said, can, we, can you do a show with my son? Because he wants to do, I flew all the way to Dallas for this. I could have did a Zoom meeting, but he's doing a show tomorrow talking to black cops in Dallas about how they're dealing with it, being black, wearing blue. And I said, I could be on TV. I could be at my house and do this. I said, I'm getting on a plane. I haven't been on a plane in two months because I think it means a lot to be in person to have this serious discussion. So I said, well, I got to figure out what hotel I'm going to stay in. And so no, you can stay at our hotel at our house. I'm like, bet. Okay, I'm there. Again, that's fellowship. Again, would I have done that in the past? Probably not, right? But, I, but I'm doing it because it's so important to connect. And it's important to support people. And that's why I support this young brother because I like what he's doing. This young brother was a sophomore last year. He was doing a toy drive for the whole city of Dallas as a sophomore in college by himself with his family, obviously. And it's just a backtrap drive for kids. And so for me... Um, I, I'm realizing what my voice is 
I'm realizing what uh, the potential of what I can do and what I can become. And what I do is I try to impress that upon everyone that I see is encourage them to be the best versions of themselves and not be afraid to take a leap and do something different. I never, I would have never tried to do my talk show. I've been talking about it for 10 years. And my friend from Sports Center, ESPN Sports Center, Jay Harris, he said, Mark, do, do, your, do a show. And so do I need ESPN to do a show? Do I need MSNBC or CNN? No. LinkedIn said, hey, can you do it? You can plat your, your broadcast on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and YouTube. I said, bet I'm going to do it. I went to Office Depot. I saw a beautiful desk there. I wanted it built. I had them come and build it. Had them build a chair in my house. And boom, I got a studio. And now I have a show. And I'm doing it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And again, I had, to, I, I, I had this that faith and, and, and God and knowing that, okay, it's time for me to do it. And so I, I encourage all of you out there that are, are trying to figure out what you want to do uh, or if you're doing it, like I, the brother uh, Royce playing a guitar. I don't know if he does that for a living, but he should start doing it regularly. He just start making DVDs and CDs and, and encouraging people. Coach Kern, I mean, she's out doing things, but I'm like, man, she needs DVDs. She needs to be on iTunes. She needs to be everywhere because everybody needs to hear this sister. It's just amazing. Kayla Tucker, former student athlete. I mean, she could be, she could train people. She, she now does communications. And I'm thinking, man, she could do, teach young people, you know, how to, how to media train easily because she has the ability to do that. And she still works out so she can do training and she can have four or five revenue streams of income. And so, yes, I mean, I, I just, I'm excited about living, but I'm also excited about the gift that I was blessed with is to educate people on letting them know that they have gifts too. A lot of times we forget that we have gifts and we look at someone like Beyonce and Jeezy. I want to be like Beyonce. No, be, be you. I want to be like Oprah. No, be you. Be the best you you can be. God created you differently than everybody else. Everybody here has gifts and you have talent. And so I just want to continue to encourage people to do that. And, and, and Royce, every time when you sing, I mean, the, the, the rap is dope. But the ending, what you did, I'm like, my goodness. You just, I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And the point is that all of us have gifts. And again, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I can, I'm just like uh, Coach uh, Aaron. I can go too. I can talk too, but let me stop. Right <laughs> I'm just, I just, I feel, I feel motivated and inspired. So thank you for letting me share. And Kayla, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate you so much, big time. Um, absolutely, you know, that's one of the biggest things, you know, talking about that assignment. We all have gifts for a reason. If we all did the same gift, it, I mean, that's the point. So we have to be, we have to do what God has called us to do. So I appreciate you so much for that. And then for those that don't know, um, Royce, love it. Look him up on all media outlets. He's, he's, he's bad, right? I mean, I just love how he puts his music out there, but he's so humble. You know, if, you, if you're not into his music, that's just it. You would think he's just your friend to your right. Um, so we've come to the end to our, of our panel. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm going to bring uh, Jessica back on to just say a, a, some final words. Um, send us out with a prayer. And Royce, are you there? I don't know if, are you still there? If, if not, that's fine. Um, but Jessica, I'm going to turn it to you to just say a few things. Um, and then, you know, I'll say my thank yous. Uh, one of the biggest things I'm looking down here uh, for my Facebook friends, uh, allow our gifts to grow, to glorify him. Don't bury them uh, from Coach Simmons. And then uh, Pastor Brandon Moore had said something earlier. He said, God has been God longer than people have been people and problems have been problems. And I thought that was so profound and so true. So 
Jessica, I'm gonna turn it over to you so we can go ahead and close this thing out. Uh, guys, I just wanna thank all of you so much for just, and I've said it from the beginning and I'm gonna keep saying it, being organically you. Um, I think Royce made a phenomenal comment about, you know, not just doing things for social media, um, but doing them because that's exactly who you are. And I think that means everything. I am currently reading a book. Um, I'm a firm believer of paying it forward. Uh, the name of the book, you guys can see this. I will send a screenshot to you as well. It's called Sweetheart, After You Melt Down, Can You Still Make Dinner? Okay. It is a very, very short read, but this is actually a mother of one of BJ's classmates. And the reason that this is all relative is because she stepped away from her job because she knew her calling and her purpose was to serve young people, but she had to figure out the balance. And the first chapter is who has time for a deep breath and how relevant is to that where we are right now in our world, in the midst of all of it, in the midst of the anger, the fear, the frustration, the faith, the joy, then the letdown, then the comeback. You've got to take some time to give yourself a little bit of grace and just take a breath. Just take a breath and realize that, you know what, I got up and that means I am ahead of the game, okay? A couple of things that, guys, we went through. Uh, what do you stand for, okay? And who can you bless in the process? We all have such collective platforms that we have the ability to collectively do so much, but individually in our individual cities, our states, who can you bless and pull with you in the process? So I'm putting that challenge out to everyone, even if you have to do it from a distance right now. There's somebody on your heart right now that you need to get off this phone call and call and reel them in and bless them with your talents, as Mark talked about. Um, agreeing to disagree. As long as equality and loving your fellow man is our end goal, it is okay in the moment to agree to disagree, but we have to collectively get to the end goal. Um, for example, my grandmother and grandfather are German immigrants. My grandfather fought in the German war and I'm going to tell you, my grandfather was a racist. How much so that I never had a family Christmas. We had to have Christmas with family that was the black and white family combined. And then I only had Christmas with my grandparents at their house. But this is the weird part, the God we serve that my grandfather still didn't figure it out after 72, marriage to my gran 72 years of marriage to my grandmother. I was his only grandchild and I was black and he loved me more than he loved himself. And at his funeral, I told everyone, can't explain it, but I know God was using him to show me how to look way beyond what I see, okay? My mother's father was a Muslim and she married a white man. So I was created in love and therefore I am obligated to pass that love on to other people, even if the story makes no sense to anybody. Um, behind me, I don't know if you guys can see this. Um, when they say it can't be done, some people do it anyway, 9.58. We are those group of people on this call right now. Every single person on here has gone through some odds that you cannot explain how you got through. But when your back is against the wall and we are in moments like we're in right now, it's your obligation and it's your time to step on the gas. And I think each and every one of you collectively know exactly how to do that. Right, righteous and justifiable in our faith and in our leadership journeys. Guys, right now, when people say you have to take a stand, that doesn't mean you have to be on the front line. But you have to make a, take a stand as to what you stand for and who you really are. And again, when I ask you to pull somebody in and bless somebody, there's a young person right now that needs you that really needs you to let them know how to live this thing the right way, okay? And Royce, 
brother, that line hit me to my core. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. When we wake up every day with joy in our heart and hope, understand and know that we can find a better way, okay? And then lastly, I talked about grace and I talk about this all the time. Please let's make sure we are intentional about being relational in our walks of faith. Everyone put their contact information in the group chat. If you haven't, please do so, okay? I know Chels likes to leave this on a little bit longer so you can get it, screenshot it, text somebody, call somebody, okay? You now have a network of love that is willing to do this the right way. And the right way is leading truly with faith and with love. And so I appreciate every last one of you understand that this is so organic. I know a lot of us weren't scripted and you're just speaking from your heart, but that's all it takes. That's really all it takes with every one of your platforms to be responsible enough to bless somebody else. So Chelsea, if there's nothing else, I would like to uh, close in a prayer um, to let each and every one of you know that um, I'm grateful for you and I'd like to just continue to cover us in God's blood. All heads bow, please. Father God, we just thank you in advance for everything that you've done and that we know you are going to do. There are some things, Father God, that we don't understand, but we know that our faith way outweighs our fear. There are people on this call right now. There are people within the sound of my voice, within everyone's voice that needs your healing, that has some areas in their spirit, Father God, that needs to be fixed. We know that when we turn to you, even if it doesn't feel good, you are a miracle working God. We know that you are working. We know that you are moving. And every day it is so easy for us to watch the news and see the negative God, but every day we surely see that you are moving in ways that are unexplainable. Touch somebody right now, Lord. Save somebody right now, Lord. Heal somebody right now, Lord. And for the things that we don't understand, we ask that you just bring us to our knees and we look up to you for the answers that we need. We ask that you keep our home safe. We ask that you keep our community safe. But my God, more importantly, these young people in this next generation, Lord, we ask that you fill their hearts with you so that they can be better and do better than what we've done up to this point. I thank God for every brother and sister on this call. And as we walk and move on today, Lord, I just ask that they find the ability to pay it forward using you as the head of their life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, sis. Everybody Amen. on this call, thank you. I think this is living proof of what happens when A, you obey God and listen, but two, when you unite, what can truly happen? All paths of life, all beliefs all thought processes, all areas in this nation. So I thank you guys so much for every nugget that you gave uh, to our Facebook Live listeners. Thank you so much. We've been tapped into you all. And I'm going to say this, and we'll go ahead and log off. I learned this from my mom, and I use it every day. I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. I didn't seek it, and I didn't choose it. But it is up to me to use it, give account if I abuse it. Just one tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Kayla said at best, this world is not our goal. So with that minute, with that minute, what are you doing? Like my sis Jessica said, who are you reeling in? And with your talent, like Coach Mark said, what are you using to glorify God? So thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that this uplifted and help ease some of that pain. We know it's not coming to make it all the way better, but just for this hour that we could reset your minds for a bit. So if you need us, reach out. It wasn't just for this hour. So thank you all so much for being on this call. 
panelists, thank you so much. And like Jessica said, in this group, I will leave this open just for a moment so you can get that con uh, contact information. Thank you guys so much.